Blog Talk Radio. Good morning out there in Blog Talk Radio land. I hope you guys are are off work for Monday. It's Veterans Day. I know everybody doesn't get off for Veterans Day, but for those who do and to those who served in the military, I want to say thank you for your service and you, and to the family members of military people, their spouses and their children, because that is no small undertaking. So thank you and happy Veterans Day. And then, you know, you guys, we're headed into the big holiday season with Thanksgiving and Christmas, and hopefully you will go out and get some marvelous, wonderful books to enjoy for yourself, your children, your family, and your friends, and you'll learn about some other great books you can get and add to your uh, book-reading gift list, uh, books that the guest today wrote that you can add them to your holiday shopping list. But I want to start the show with this thought, and this is from Rabadranath Tagore. You can't cross the sea merely by standing and staring at the water. You can't cross the sea merely by standing and staring at the water. And, yes, you are listening to the Winning Book Radio Show off the shelf on this Saturday November the 10th, I always like to acknowledge our loyal listeners who've been with us for 13 years. So I want to thank you and those who are coming in. It's your first time checking out Off the Shelf Radio. Maybe you're listening on iTunes or you're in the chat room or however. There's so many different ways to get to Off the Shelf. Dial in, Google Play, so many different ways to get into to the show, but we want to welcome you, welcome you, welcome you, and ask you if you love mystery. There is a murder mystery, and, and it's it, you would have to read almost the entire novel unless you are a sharp mystery sleuth to figure out who done it. And this story takes place in Ohio, part of it in Africa, and also the majority of it on a college campus in Pennsylvania. The star of the show is Raymond Clark, and he is an athlete. He's a middle-distance runner on his way to the Olympics. He's also academically very astute. But, you know, there's always a but. And this is where the story really, if you appreciate relationships, family relationships, how we all influence each other, Friends, there's a soulmate relationship in the book, a friendship relationship, and a very, very complicated parental relationship. Raymond's father has untreated alcoholism, and there are millions of adult children of alcoholics and young people dealing with that even as I speak. But what happens to Raymond, and I hope for those who've gone through that, their parent was an alcoholic or they're struggling with alcoholism themselves, that you get a copy of Love Pour Over Me and be inspired by what happens to Raymond. It's a very realistic story. There's, there's tragic and trauma, but the ending is, a, is, I think you really would appreciate it if you've been through anything difficult in your life to see Raymond and Brenda and Raymond's four friends and figure out who, who did this, caused this murder on this college campus. It takes them years to unravel this mystery. If this, if this is something that entices you, I encourage you to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney. It's in ebook and print format. You can click over 
to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, ebook it, and order a copy right now and start enjoying it, even as you finish listening to today's show. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. Today's off-the-shelf guest is Vanessa Fortenberry. And you know, I, I consider myself blessed. I learn something from every guest who comes on off-the-shelf. But I even start learning when I start researching for their interviews. Now, Vanessa is a Christian author and inspirational speaker. Growing up, she wrote poetry, short stories, and plays, so she just loved to write. She attended Clark Atlanta University. She's a passionate music lover, and she taught chorus, voice, and general music. Some tell me she can sing. She earned a reading endorsement from the University of Georgia in 2009. Wow, impressive. And books that Vanessa has written include Mama, I Want to See God, and Daddy, I Want to Know God. Vanessa is a member of the Christian Authors Guild and the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. And we absolutely encourage you to visit Vanessa Fortenberry online at VanessaFortenberry.com, and that's B as in victory, A-N as in Nancy, E-S-S-A, F as in Frank, O-R-T-E-N-B-E-R-R-Y.com. Again, that's V-A-N-E-S-S-A-F-O-R-T-E-N-B-E-R-R-Y. Just her name, VanessaFortenberry.com. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Vanessa. Thank you so much, Denise. I'm so honored and so glad to be here this morning with your, your yourself and your listeners of Off the Shelf Book Radio. Thank you. We, we, we are honored to have you here with us, Vanessa. And as I told you before we went live, and our listeners know this, I like to give I listen to a little backstory on our guests before I just launch into talking about their books. So they feel like they, you know, they kind of listen to a friend speak and make a connection. So if you could just start off today's show, just tell off-the-shelf listeners what you grew up, where you grew up, and what life was like for you growing up. Okay. Well, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and um, I'm a product of the project, and I had no idea that my family was not wealthy because I um, had wonderful parents and aunts and uncles and grandparents who, who um, they were very, very supportive in any way that they could be financially, um, um, in encouraging me to be the best that I could be. So I, I feel that I was very wealthy growing up, and it made me into the person that I am today. Now, of course, as we all know, um, there's always um, skeletons in everyone's closet, and, and I have quite a few, and, and my family has quite a few in, in our closet. But um, the wonderful thing that I just love about God is that he helps us to to um to overcome those skeletons that, um, per se, that we might have in our lives and to be better people for it. So growing up for me was wonderful. I enjoyed my life growing up. I, As you mentioned before, I loved writing, and that was an escape for me to write. And I more than writing, I think I loved reading. So if I was reading something or writing something, I was in 
or singing, I all, I love singing too. And um, and so if I were doing one of those three things, then I was I was in heaven. I was doing the things that I know I really felt that God called me to do. And but you know it's funny how um, as you started becoming as you start to become an adult, you lose some of those things along the way because life just gets in the way. So you know it's 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 been a, a journey for me, and I'm glad to mm-hmm. be back um, on the on the train or, or on the plane or where, whatever you might want to call it. I, I'm just glad to be back um, into my writing. Never stopped the reading, never stopped the singing, but I did put aside the writing for a time, and so I was so uh, glad so when God, is, you know, called me to to come back to the writing. Okay. So what did you dream of becoming? You said so many things interested you when you were young. What what was like, what really, when you were a kid, what did you say, oh, this is what I really want to do when I grow up? Was there any one thing that really jumped out at you? Well, I thought I would be a a an entertainer, a singer. I even had my stage name, uh, Denise, um, my uh, a, a boyfriend I had in high school, was named, um, his last name was McGee, and my middle name is Leah, so I was going to be Leah McGee. And so I had my <laughs> microphone in my hand, and here she is, Leah McGee. <laughs> but um, oh I, I did major in music. I, I did major in music education, and um, um, our instructors said, you might want to have a backup. So the backup was education. And, of course, I started up, got married and started a family early on. So I needed, so thankful that I had that backup because I wasn't traveling or, or, or as entertainers are today. You know, I wasn't doing that thing. I was um, being a wife and a mother. So um, I, you know, put that, put that part aside. But I have never stopped singing. Um, I sing in a community chorus ah. and I sing in my church choir. Mm-hmm. And so that that's what I love doing. Um, that's what I love doing, I think, most. And then after that oh. would be the writing and the reading. Ah. And baking. I do love now the baking, too. <laughs> now, how old were you when you knew, you knew that you wanted to be a writer? You said you stopped writing for a while and you were glad that the Lord pulled you back to it. But how old were you when you knew you wanted to be a writer? Well, when I was in, I believe I was, no, I was out of college, I maybe like 22 or so, I started writing this novel. And I, I really didn't know about writing. I really did not. I remember um, reading an article, and I can't remember who wrote the article, but it was a very um, well-known author at that time. And she wrote an article about how to write and, and the, the process of writing. And I remember, you know, just gravitating toward that article. But nevertheless, I didn't, I didn't know that there were um, groups out there, so to speak, that could push me forward toward the writing. So I just sort of stopped and uh, because I felt like, oh, goodness, this this novel or whatever this is that I'm writing is not that great, <laughs> so I, I stopped. But I still would write poetry along the way, 
and um, still had a desire to write. And I recall when I went back to school to get my master's degree and my specialist and, and finished the specialist degree in uh, library media, I remember a, a couple of friends, we started going back to school at the same time, and they said, come on, let's let's go get that doctorate. And I said, no, I don't want to write that type of book, you know, that you the thesis that you write for your doctorate. I want to write something else. But I didn't know what that something else would be. And and, and I was just um, just sort of like in a daze uh, regarding what that would be. And everyone would say, well, you're a, a children's librarian, elementary librarian. You'll write for children. No, I don't think I want to write for children. Uh, I think I still had that romance novel still in the back of my mind. And... But, but then in 2010, I was at the gym all alone early one morning, and God spoke to me through a um, show called The 700 Club. I think it's The 700 Club. Um, and I was just listening that morning and about how God knows each of us by name, and something just clicked that morning, and I feel that God spoke to me, and he said, you are going to write children's books and they will be Christian. And I just said, yes, Lord. I text myself, um, Christian children, God knows us all by name, went home that morning and started writing, and that's when I seriously started taking the writing. I, you know, at that point I started taking it seriously. And, 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 and now we are here with two books that I have written. Wow. Oh, my goodness. So you... You, yours came with a lot of conviction, and you know, there's a, we've had other guests on the show who they thought, oh, my work's not good enough. Uh, actually, our last week's guest said she struggled with that, and then finally she just kept going and she just kept writing. And you, how how else? Like the quote that we started with today, you can't cross the sea merely by standing and staring at the water. How are you gonna know for sure what's gonna happen if you don't even step out? So you can keep telling yourself it won't work. But you don't know that for sure if you don't try, if you don't at least do it. So your 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 love, your passion for books, was that birthed in your home where somebody in your family read a lot of books to you when you were a little girl or you, you saw your parents reading a lot of books? Where did that – because you also said you, you worked in li- – you had a, like a degree that was related to library work. Where did that passion for books and story come from in you? Truly, I I don't recall a whole lot about my early years growing up in my household. Um, I I do sort of recall my mother reading, not really recalling my dad reading a whole lot, but I do remember when I was in kindergarten, and I remember coming home with that Dick and Jane book, textbook, and I remember telling my parents a lie, saying that my homework for the afternoon was to read that textbook, Dick and Jane. And I was just so um, excited about being able to read and to have a book to read. And I know that there were books in my household, but I was just really excited because I was just starting out. 
Now, I did carry that book back the next day because I got scared that I would be found out, that my teacher would find out I had the book and that my parents would also find out that um, I had taken the book without permission, taken the book home without permission. So I did carry it back. But it started, my love of reading started that early. And anyone that knew me, I always had a book in my hand. I was always reading something. And even today, if I'm at a doctor's office or I'm sitting somewhere, I I can't just sit there. I must have something to read, a magazine or a book, something I'm working on. Um, but I, I do agree. You know, there's a scripture, James, um, I think it's chapter 2, uh, 14, 14, faith without works is dead. So if if once God spoke to me in 2010, and I know he spoke to me, if I had gone home that day and done nothing, then I would say shame on me, shame on me at that particular point. I would have um, uh, wasted or uh, not, you know, I would not have taken an opportunity that God had given me to go forth and start writing, go forth. And so even after that, I started reaching out, where can I go um, where can I find writing conferences? What groups can I become a part of to support me in this writing endeavor? Because when I was writing so many years ago and in school, I recall that we everything we wrote was I am, he is, um, and they call those words um, passive verbs. And so we're to write um, using action words, you know, um, show, don't tell. And so that was sort of new to me. And I recall going to one of my first writing conferences to a workshop and um, the instructor gave us a, a yellow highlighter. And she says, go through your manuscript and everywhere you see am, has, have, is, all those passive verbs highlighted. And you should have seen my paper. Just about almost every other word was highlighted. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it was a learning process, you know. So, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I'm still learning even now about, you know, the, about writing, the process of writing. And I, I think, um, and I, I recall just the other day I was reading about, oh, what is her name? I think her name is Jacqueline Woodson. A, a very well-known African-American author, and, and she talked about, uh, I think it was an interview that I was reading, and I only got a chance to read just a portion, but she said, um, I think the question was asked, if you could go back to one of your books, um, would you change it? Would there be anything that you would change? And I can't remember the book, but she did recall a certain book that she she wrote early on in her writing profession, and she said she would go back to that particular book and, and edit it and change some things about it because she's learned so much more oh, yeah, writing that first book. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, so, and that's uh, a good thing. You want to see that growth, and it, and it never stops, and that's a blessing. It's so good that you never get there. It's a blessing that you you could always, always go higher and higher and higher. That's just such a, a good thing. No matter how far you've gone, it's like I can still go higher. That is just a phenomenal uh, blessing. Now, I, I'm when I was into uh, researching okay. for your interview, this kind of piqued my interest. I said, "This is interesting." Now, you said your first love was music. Why did you feel that you had to choose 
between English and music while you were at Clark Atlanta University? Like, you couldn't do a dual degree while you had to choose one or the other. I, I would say, you know, oftentimes we we don't know because we don't ask, we don't inquire, we don't let our thoughts be known. And and I was that, that type person, um, very quiet. I'm, I'm still very quiet and reserved now, but I, I know a little bit more now. I've, I've, I'm a little seasoned now. But I would say it was just being very shy, very quiet, not knowing the right questions to ask, not communicating with people my, my thoughts and my desires. So I, I, I did. I felt like I had to choose. And and I chose, and not knowing that I could have done both, but yes, I, I would say that was I, I'm going to you know pretty much put most of the blame on myself, and I don't no, know. Maybe no, no blame. Um, it's just a maybe the it's just a choice. It's, yeah, but you kept your music. You kept going with both of them. So in a way, you did end up doing doing both of them. So that's a, that's a good thing. Can you tell us, Vanessa, yeah. about the romance novel? that you wrote while you talking about making a choice, but while you were at Clark Atlanta University, the romance novel you wrote, what was that story about? Well, let's see if I can recall. And, and believe it or not, I still have those pages, those handwritten pages in the, in the notebook. But wow. um, um, it's kind of hard. I haven't looked at that story in a while, but it was about – a young woman who um, who was having some issues with, I guess it would be considered more of a kind of like a drama, not so much romance, romance. But she would she had some issues with um, her parents. The, uh, one of the conflicts or problems in 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 this particular story was that her parents had just recently been killed in an auto accident, and uh, she had gone away gone away to, you know, out of town to get away from the remembrance um, of her parents' death. And on that particular trip, she met possibly Mr. Wright. She wasn't sure if it was Mr. Wright. You know, that was uh, was not going to be revealed until a little bit later on. <laughs> so uh, that, that was pretty much it uh, based on my memory bank. Um, it may have been a little bit more into it, but I, I just I just can't recall right now. I have, haven't looked at it in a while. <laughs> yeah. Okay. When you when you're writing your passions, do you marry your love of music and the written word in your novels? Do you put put both of them in your books? Well, I I do have the the first story that I wrote that I was inspired to write when I was listening to the Seven Hundred Club was about how God knows each of us by name. And that book is yet to be published. I've got to go back and and and, and rework that particular story. But I was inspired to write a song. Um and, and don't please don't ask me to sing it because I, I can't remember it right now. I haven't <laughs> listened to that one in a while. <laughs> I haven't listened to it in a while either. And um I wrote the melody and I wrote the lyrics. And um, there's a fantastic uh, gentleman that's in my community chorus. He's 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 a singer and he's a pianist and a, a director. Um, and 
he uh, wrote the accompaniment for me. And um, and so we, we have a really, really nice piece. And then I wanted that particular book to be a series like uh, Mama and Daddy uh, is, is a series, and, and we got the third one coming. But I did, uh, going back, I, I did write a second book um, about how God knows us all by heart. And I have a, a nice little song for that one, too. I wrote the melody and the lyrics. And um, Adrian, his name is Adrian Ford, uh, wrote the um, the accompaniment also for that particular piece. So I am really anxious to have, to get the time to go back to those two stories to have that um, a CD. I would love to have a children's choir. Uh, you know, I would like children's voices on those two particular songs and to have a CD um, accompaniment with accompaniment within a part of that book package. And the the thing of it is, is that that was so strange. Well, maybe not strange, but it just shows how God prepares us. When I was um, in music, when I was taking my um, music classes at Clark, of course, my voice, my voice is my instrument. And I was really quite horrid at playing the instruments. I think the oboe was maybe the easiest instrument for me, although I always wanted to play the flute. But um, the oboe was kind of good. But nevertheless, I didn't do too good in that band class. Well, not band, but, you know, taking the instrumental um, classes. But we had to write a musical piece. And I, I'm telling you, it was very not good. It was horrid. It was not good whatsoever. I just didn't have, I didn't have the talent <laughs> to write a musical piece. I don't know what I did with that piece after I turned it in, and, and more than likely my music instructor trashed it pretty quickly. But, um, you know, but when I started writing the, the book about how God knows us all by name, and I decided, I said, you know, Lord, I want to write a song. I was inspired to write a song, and it was just so amazing to me how God gifted me with the melody and the lyrics to write that song. Now, if I, if, I were if someone had said, okay, well now let's get the uh, let's write the accompaniment. Now that's where I would have had a problem, and so um, that's um, why they have people such as Adrian who can um, take a piece and and put the accompaniment, um, you know, the different chords and everything right in the right places uh, to complete that song. But uh, yes. So I know that was the long version of answering your question, but yes, um, no. I, I have been inspired to write <laughs> a musical. Okay. Now, um, how long ago did you start writing Daddy, I Want to Know God? And I is that your first that book? That is the first published book, yes, yes. I started writing, well, Daddy, I Want to Know God, that's the second book. That's the second book. Mama, I Want to See God is the first book. And I was inspired to write that in 2011. My um, ex-daughter-in-law, who is um, like my daughter, she called me late one night. I was, you know, drifting off in, in sleep. And she called me very concerned about my grandson, who was then seven, and he's almost 15 now. He'll be 15 on the 26th of November. And she said that, he told her that he wanted to see God. His exact words were, Mama, I want to see God. 
and she was a little concerned about it because Anthony had a, a very, very bad case of eczema, and she really thought that he wanted to go to heaven, that he wanted to just die and yeah. go to heaven. He was he was often in pain and the itching, um, and you know, for a young child, it it, it was un- really uncontrollable. It was hard for him to control scratching and what have you. And sometimes the, even the bottom of his feet would be sore and and bleeding um, because of the eczema, you know, that dry skin. And and I told her, I don't think. That's the case. I just think that he's curious about the God that he hears us talking about, curious about the God that he hears us singing about. And just like all children, they want to know where is God and why can't I see him. And so um, I I wrote half of the story in 2010, but it was really a poem. It came out in rhyme. I wasn't expecting it to come out in rhyme, but that's how it came out. And so when I finished, I just wrote a poem. And I read it to the family later, a few months later, and, you know, they loved it. And it was a poem to to soothe my daughter-in-law, my ex-daughter-in-law, like I said, who was, you know, really I should just call her my daughter. As a matter of fact, in my first book, um, I dedicate the book, and she's included as my daughter, um, Natrina. And... And I, I just wanted to comfort her and comfort my grandson. But a, a little bit later, I carried it to one of my writing groups, and they loved it, and they said, you should add to this and make it a book. And, you know, I played around with it, and I'm like, okay, I'm really working on this other story. But, you know, evidently God spoke to me and said, yes, you should add to this. Let it become a book. And so I did, and I worked on the book until maybe like uh, 2000, almost the end of 2012, and I ran into my publisher, a representative of, from my of my publisher, um, BQB um, Books, um, and BQB, BQB Publishing. That is, I ran into a representative at the Decatur Book Festival in um, in 2012, September 2012, and and we talked extensively, and I told her that I was working on this story. And when I thought it was right, um, if I liked what I saw when I looked at their publishing company, I would submit it. And so maybe around November I submitted it, and um, soon after they did accept it, and it, it became the first published book. It was published in 2014, in April 2014. Oh. Mm-hmm. Congratulations! And what was the so the process of of it? You started it out as a poem, and then you went back. You were in a writing group, and they encouraged you, and that's how it became uh, a, a, a a children's book. Can you tell us what age group it's written for, and just tell us a little bit about Daddy? I want to know God. The the genesis, the inspiration for it, you share with us through your grandson. The question he asked that he wanted to, to, to be with God, and then you wrote the poem and it became a story. But can you tell us, are there questions that a child writes in the book? And is this a is this just a child and her or his father in the book? What, what, what's a, if you can give us a brief overview of Daddy, I Want to Know God. 
Oh, sure. Well, um, the both books, well, the first one, Mama, I Want to See God, I think is age group four to eight. And the second one is uh, maybe three to seven or four to eight four to seven, something like that. But um, they're, they're both um, would be very good for children up to eight ages, eight years old. And also um, expectant parents have bought the books. Um, parents and guardians have bought the books for their toddlers. But the book, the premise of um, both of the books, and I'll, I'll start with Mama, children have lots of questions. And so within the story, the children are asking questions of their mothers such as, you know, Mama, I want to see God. You know, what does he look like? Or, uh, Mama, I want to visit God. Does he live far away? Or, Mama, can I give God a gift? You know, will he accept my love? Mama, can I dance for God? Will he like my mood? So the children um, just have, they have lots and lots of questions. They're so curious, and all children are curious, and they ask, millions and millions of questions and in the story the children ask a lot of questions about God and the one thing that I really love about both of the books is that I didn't see the story just in black or white I saw a rainbow of colors of children and parents and so you will definitely see diversity in both of my books so within the first book um, the mama is um, very or the mothers are very patient in answering their children's questions, and they actually model God's love. And so the second book, Daddy, I Want to Know God, well, let me just go back just a moment. The first book, the child has gotten a good foundation. They have gotten a good start about who God is and that that God is within them. You know, God is love. And then in the second book, Daddy, I Want to Know God, the child is still curious about God. They still they have a, 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 a energy to learn more about God. And so now they're asking the questions to their dad. So they're, you know, they're getting a little bit more detailed with their questions. You know, they want to know how does God know my name, you know, um, is God happy, you know, when I don't do right? You know, is, um, is he happy with me? You know, will God ever leave me? And, and why does God love me so much? And, and then the, um, the ultimate question comes after Dad talks about how God paid a price. You know, he gave his son, Jesus. And um, so the child, you know, wants to know, well, what kind of price did Jesus pay you know, because they're really not sure about that, you know, a price. You know, they, they see that as being money, you know, when you talk about price. So Dad explains that, you know, Jesus gave his life and died on the cross. And as a result of this, he forgives our sins, and he makes each and every one of us clean. And, and then the child, the child is a little bit saddened to know that God, Jesus, died on the cross. But... He feels much better when Dad explains that he now lives. You know, Jesus, he rose on that third day. He now lives, and he lives within our hearts. And so with the second book, the child has gotten even more of a foundation of who God is. 
And then the third book, which will include the grandparents, and preferably that one will be out in 2020. In the third book, the child or the children have gotten that wonderful foundation from their mom and from and from their dad, and now they're just ready to take off because the third book is Grandma, Granddad, We Want to Praise God. You know, they want to give mm. all the glory and honor to God now that they know who he is within them, you know, within themselves and within their lives and how God is working in them. So even when, you know, it's a rainy day or even if um, you didn't pass that, that quiz, you know, you just still keep on giving God praise because he is good all the time. Yes. Now, what what can you describe for our our listeners? What are the like the children? Uh, do how many siblings do they have? Do you do you, do you like build out their characters? I know it's a a children's book, but I remember Pippi Longstocking. I loved her and the character and the Judy Bloom characters in her books. If you had to describe like the characters in the books, the 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 mother, the father, like what do they do for a living? And what are the kids like? Are they only children? Do they have other siblings? Are like some of them like a Dennis the Menace type kid or a personality or like someone maybe more quiet, one like more outgoing and very uh, uh, social? What are the characters like in the book? Well, I haven't I haven't written that type book yet. I'm working on it. But within these two books and also within the third book, you just have different children and different dads, different children and different moms, and each of them are um, just individual children, individual dads and moms, and the children are just asking questions about God, and the moms and the dads are answering the questions. So we don't, in in these particular books, it's not, so much of a, a storyline whereby you have um, several characters, you know, where you have your main character and what have you, and this character is doing this and this character is doing that. It, it, they're just books where you have just different the characters per se are the individual children from different households, different cultures, um, different um, locations. And um, they just ask questions of mom, ask questions of dad, and then their parents answer the questions. Oh, okay. okay. And my, um, I was going to say my computer had just froze up on me for for a second. This is one, something when I was researching for your interview that came up to me as well. How do you write? Uh, oh, oh! Before I was was gonna go on, you know these kind of books let you roll. I'm thinking about the Chicken Soup for the Soul books. Could just throwing out an idea be a good like series? Again, I'm thinking about the Judy Bloom, her books. Um, I forget the title of one of her books. Hello, God, are you there? Or or something that it, it had a lot of impact. But if you do start to write books around a, a character and they have like a strong personality that you just can't miss. Then re- that might be a, a book where readers just keep wanting. When's the next book coming out? When's the next book coming out? Because they want to know what this character is going to do. Even as you address these same same topics, that's just a, I'm just throwing that I, I, out there. But how do you write so that uh, young you're telling young readers about God, but you also want to keep them interested in turning the pages? So how are you able? 
could do that as a writer. Because and, and before you answer, I, I thought I had thought about writing a children's book. I actually have written two children's books, but people told me children's books. People think they're so easy to write because they're short and you just a few words on a page. But they say it's hard writing for kids. Because it's really, really tough to keep their interest. So, how do you write so that you 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 keeping their interest and you're telling them about God, which might be something at their age that's hard to concept. Okay. Well, I think um, I think as far as children wanting to continue to turn the pages, and and even adults wanting to continue to turn the pages in my book, um, pretty much each each page kind of leads into the next page. And then I think also the support factor that I have within my book are the wonderful illustrations. Um, the first illustrator, um, uh, well, the illustrator for Mama, I Want to See God, is Leah Jennings. Fantastic illustrations that draw, that would draw the readers into the book as well because they so accommodate the um, the written word. And then even with the second book, it just ups it even a little bit more, and the illustrator is Sharon Gray. And so in, in my opinion, I think, you know, because each page kind of leads into the next page and then the pictures, the illustrations also, I believe, um, would make for a great turn, turn, turn pager, you know. And... Um, and there was a, I should have written it down right quick, jotted it down. There was one last part to your question that I totally have forgotten um, that you asked. No, 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 no. Um, I was just asking you to, how how you take a topic like that, that uh, it could be hard for a child to concept and make it yeah. make it interesting. You said the illustrations, yeah. and that definitely you want to get a good illustrator, and I want to ask you about that in a few uh, moments. But my next question was how can fathers – being the uh, the book, uh, the children are asking the question to the mother, and and the different roles that we play in our children's developing their beliefs. How can fathers become strong spiritual leaders in their own families? Okay, and um, and I, I do right quick. I want to go back. I do remember you mentioned about how some say it's easy to write children's books. That that was the third. Oh part, yes, um, mm-hmm. that you mentioned. And it is not easy to write children's books. You have to make sure your the the words that you choose tie into that age level that you're writing for. And um, I actually have a book. Um, I can't tell you the name of it right now, but I have a book that I use. It's a word book. And um, so if I'm thinking of a certain word, I look in my little book and I'll, I'll find out whether that, that word that I would like to use, what grade level are, uh, yeah, I think it's by grade level or age level, you know, what age level is that group, and, and then for that particular word, and then they give um, they give alternative words, you know, sort of like a thesaurus, alternative words for a younger age group, and so I, I that book is always around me when I'm writing so that I can ensure that I'm writing as much as possible on the young child's reading level, or even if a, an adult is reading to that child, they might be able to still understand um, that the particular story. And although we know that, you know, it's up to the parents who are reading to children 
and also teachers who are reading to children. You know, we have little conversations with our children and students, you know, to make sure that they understand and we ask questions, you know, about about the story. But even when I um, wrote both of the books, once I was assigned, once my publisher accepted the um, stories, I was assigned an editor and had to, even as much as I had edited myself, I had to go back and with the editor that was assigned to me, and we had to, um, to streamline certain certain parts of the text to make it even more clearer for a child. Yes. So going mm-hmm. back, uh, now going to your, your last question about fathers, what can they do? I think um, the main thing that fathers can do is to just show up show up for their children, be there for them. Um, And it doesn't matter if you've been out of your child's life um, for some time, you know, if you did the disappearing act, okay, reappear, reappear, and just be there for Mm. your children. You know, apologize for um, whatever um, things have not gone right before and just let your child or your children know that you are here now, you're there for them. And, of course, they've got to build up. The child has to build up that trust, you know, for the parents. And, um, but in time, if you just hang in there, Dad, your child will, you know, know that you are, you are there for them. So it's important, I think, for our dads to, to uh, lead our children in growing a strong and godly faith. And so um, I think if your child knows that you have this spirituality about you as a father, they will pick up on it, and um, they will be willing to learn from their their dads and, um, and, and, and teach your children about a God who's caring, a God who's unfailing, and a capable God. And be, be that way yourself. You know, if you say you're going to do something, do it. If you say you're going to pick your child up at 2 o'clock, don't make them wait to 5 or don't not show up at all. And then, um, so you can't just teach it for like from the Bible and take them to church. you got to live that life as well and then treat their child's mother with love and respect. So don't get to going right. to church, That's Bible right. praying part, and then mistreat the mother. So I think all those things and what... Great, great tips for how fathers can can become strong spiritual leaders in their families. Not a not a boss who just tells people what to do, but really a loving, caring uh, a leader. Can you we you alluded to this earlier? um, And this definitely with children's books is definitely with children's books. And I remember a I went to a writers conference in Philadelphia, and it's been over ten years ago. And this was with someone whose book was on the New York Times bestseller list, and she said when her book was first published, of course she hadn't even sold any copies, she got somebody to draw the cover of her book, talking about an illustrator, and they just came to like an informal agreement. This is how much you'll get off the sales of the book once, you know, if the book sells. But she's probably not thinking she's going to do so much with it. But then she really put her head down and started working the bookstore. She said she would go up there Several times a week to Barnes & Noble, they told her, go away, we don't want to see you no more, and she kept coming back. Finally, she put posters everywhere. People started going to the bookstore saying, I want this book, because she was really hustling 
and I mean hustling like a full-time job, hustling and paid off for her. But then the, then the agreement she had with the illustrator is like, wait a minute, she's selling so many books. I want a little bit more of this. So she said, make sure you get a, a very clear web, uh, contract if you work with somebody who's going to design your cover or um, do your illustration. So all that said, that's just a tip for our off-the-shelf listeners who might also be yeah. book writers. How did you find... You work with two different illustrators. How did you find the illustrators for your books? Well, thankfully, um, my publisher does a lot of the lit work for me, so I don't have to, you know, do do all those things because I just want to stick to the writing. So my publisher has a, a listing of different illustrators that she works with, and um, basically I just went to my publisher's uh, catalog or to their website, and I looked at the different children's books, and I looked at the illustrations that I liked the most, and I think I chose maybe about three illustrators, and it just so happened that one of the illustrators that I chose was um, available, and um, she was, um, that was uh, Leah, Leah Jennings, and so I, I didn't have to go out on my own to find that particular person. But the one thing that I like that my publisher does is that the illustrations, illustrators that work with uh, us authors within her publishing group, we um, pay a flat fee. We pay a, pay a flat fee, and it, it's, it's another word, um, term that, that's used other than flat fee. I just can't think what it is. But um, I paid a flat fee. There was no agreement that I would um, that the illustrator would get parts of my uh, royalty or my profit. Um, I, I pay that flat fee, and then the illustrate illustrations become mine. You know, they they become mine for me to do whatever I want to with. Ah. Um, I I don't have to get get their uh, permission to use them or anything like that. And um, so I would just say for any aspiring author. Uh, whether you go through a publisher or whether you self-publish, just do your research. Do your research. And I, I did do a lot of research um, about publishers and illustrators and agents and, you know, the whole nine yards. Do your research. Be informative. Um, do not just depend on someone else to give you information. Okay, it's all right if they give you information, but then go back and, and check the information that they gave you. So I think I, even if I were to do a, a self-published book, I would also do it with a flat fee. I, I don't want any contract uh, where you're going to get a portion of my, my royalties or anything like that. You know what? It's very interesting that you say that. Ghost, we interviewed a ghostwriter, uh, and he's, he's done some books for celebrities. He said that's what ghostwriters generally do flat fee, because you don't know if the book's going to take off, then you're like, oh, my God, I could have made a lot more. But if the book doesn't sell much, you want to get paid for your work. So you smart and you do a smart flat fee so that you could ghostwrite full time. But he said that's how most ghostwriters do. They don't get a, uh, a percentage of the book. Even if it sells millions of copies, they get paid their flat fee, unless they write that, um, that portion of the royalties into their contract. So that's a good tip. So thanks for sharing that here on Off the Shelf 
for our oh, listeners yeah. who do write children's Definitely. books. Now, what was it like, uh, Vanessa, working with a book illustrator to ensure that their illustrations are telling the story effectively? Well, um, the one thing that I really like about working with my publisher, who is an independent publisher, by the way, and uh, so I was able to write a, to do a storyboard. And so for each verse of my book, I I wrote what I envisioned the illustrations to look like. And so that gave the illustrator an idea of what I wanted in that particular book. Now, with traditional publishing, you don't get that option. The traditional publisher chooses the illustrator and whatever they however they see fit to do the illustrations, that's it. You know, unless you're maybe some kind of big name author, um, you don't get an opportunity to say, "Oh, I don't like that illustration. Can we change it?" But uh, working with an independent publisher, I I did have that voice. And um, and that's what I love about my publisher. And so there were times when, because I'm I'm not creative when it comes to illustrations. I just I can't even draw stick people very well. So it was sort of um, a challenge for me to write down what I envisioned. But I I had to dig deep and do that. But I remember um, with the first book, I indicated that I wanted the mother to have her arms up and and um, I can't remember which page or what the text was about, but I, I remember saying I wanted the mom to have her hands up in the air. And when the illustrator uh, sent me the the, um, the picture for that page, the mother looked really crazy. And, um, and I said, oh, that is not going to work. And so I had to regroup on that and, and give her some other instructions. And, and there was another page where, um, the illustrator, the mother looked like um, like she had on a slip, like she was just in the room with her child with a slip on. And I wanted her to be fully clothed, but I do remember asking the question of my project manager one particular um, afternoon or evening when I had said, no, I don't like this, can we change it to this? And I asked her, I said, am I being too picky? about the illustrations, and she said, no, this is your book. We want you to be happy with your book. So I felt I felt good about it, but I know that it was maybe time-consuming for the illustrator, illustrator to go back and, and redo some things that, um, you know, she had already taken a lot of time and energy to do and then to have to go back and, and revise. So with the second book, mm-hmm. Um, we got, I think, the illustrator, um, and and I don't know whether this was her procedure, her process, or my my um, actual um, publisher who said, okay, we're going to do sketches the second, the second with this second book. We'll do sketches. You should be able to get a feel for um, what is being depicted in the sketch, and then if you approve the sketch, then the illustrator will put the color to it and everything. So that worked. That worked uh-huh. much better. And so the illustrator wasn't working as hard the second time around. I, I think it, it made for an easier process for the illustrator and for me, too, as well. Okay. Now, what have readers been saying about uh, both of your books and, and the titles of Vanessa 
of Fortenberry's books are Mama, I Want to See God and Daddy, I Want to Know God. What have readers been saying about your books, Vanessa? Well, they have um, given comments such as I, when I purchased this book, I didn't realize that the questions in the book would be some of the same questions that my child or my grandchild has asked. And it was wow, a great okay. resource. Uh, for you know, for my child or for my grandchild, um, you you answered the questions for me, and all I had to do was just you know add a little bit here and there, you know, to have a little conversation with my child. Um, so those are you know some um, one one you know comment or several comments that I've gotten that were were similar to that, and um, um, other other um, other comments were. Things like, you know, the illustrations really helped to support the text, to support the verses, and, and you know, they, they love that. The colors, um, the the, um, the deep colors and what have you, and that um, also that the um, the books have, you know, really impacted their, their young children in, you know, um, and supporting what they have been teaching their children about God. Okay. So, um, can you share of, three to four? I, go ahead. I know we just got just a few minutes left, and that's okay. Yeah. I, can you share three to four steps that you've taken to, that you found to be effective at getting the word out about your books? Well, I'm on social media, and I'm not really that great with social media, but I'm on social media, so that is definitely. Um, something that's very much needed to get the word out about your books. Um, you have to uh, communicate with people to let them know when you're going to be at a um, at a book signing event. You know, getting the word out there about the different events that you're a part of, or or interviews such as this um, that you're going to be participating in. Um, communicating with um, one of the things that I've, um, I have is a, a, a newsletter and a blog. My blog is I'm kind of the blog is kind of going a little bit down by the wayside, but I'm, I'm getting ready to pick it back up again. But um, um, devising having an email list, yes, that is very important. Having an email list of potential readers or supporters of your book and keeping in touch with these these readers and, and also letting them know that you are grateful for their support. So um, I think I think I may have given you four, <laughs> uh, but I think the, the last thing definitely is to let your readers and your supporters know that you are thankful for their support. And if there are different ways that you might could give back to them, you know, find those ways that you can give back to them to let them know that you appreciate those reviews that they are, are writing, are going to write for you um, and have written for you, uh, that you appreciate them sharing your book or book with others, with families and friends. And um, I would say those would be the maybe the four things there. Okay. Where can readers get copies of your books? Well, my books can be found anywhere online, any online bookstore they can be found, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, 
a, a few of my copies were in Barnes and Noble in the store um, um, last year. Uh, I'm, hopefully, they have been sold. Um, but I do know, like you said, um, with Barnes and Noble and other bookstores, if people start asking for your book within that mortal store, that brick and mortar store, they will um, start to order in your books where they will keep them on their shelves. But basically right now, anywhere where books are sold online, my book comes in paperback, hardcover, um, e-book, and um, even uh, Daddy, I Want to Know God is out in audio. So um, you have different formats of my books that you can, that a parent or a guardian can choose. And I would just say, you know, just give your child the gift of God today. And I think it would be a great gift. The books are great as gifts, birthday gifts, um, shower, um, baby shower gifts, Christmas gifts. Um, it's just a great gift to give to a child, a book. Okay. We want to thank Miss Vanessa Fortenberry, who has been our special off-the-shelf guest here with us this morning. And she's a music lover and a book lover. And she she had earned a reading endorsement from the University of Georgia in 2009, so congratulations to her for that. And Vanessa is the author of the books, Mama, I Want to See God, and Daddy, I Want to Know God. She's hoping her third uh, book in this this storyline will come out in about a year, in 2020, since we're headed into 2019 already. And please visit Vanessa online, and it's VanessaFortenberry.com. B A N E S S A F O R T E N B E R R Y dot com again Vanessa Fortenberry dot com and go pick out a pick up a copy of Mama I Want to See God or Dad and Daddy I Want to Know God by Vanessa Fortenberry. Thank you so much, Vanessa, and we thank each of you our off the shelf listeners for being with us here this Saturday on Off the Shelf. Please remember to bookmark. Off the shelf and listen every Saturday morning. You don't want to miss out on what's shared here on Off the Shelf Radio. Again, Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I want our guests to, to bookmark Off the Shelf as well. I'm going to start telling our, our guests that more. To Also, they tune in and support other authors here on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at Off the Shelf. We get listeners from all over the world. We've had New York Times bestselling authors. Some of our guests have are on CNN, TV One today, have their own radio and television shows. So we are just so blessed, and we encourage you to set your calendar just to catch Off the Shelf, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, New York City Time. As I always tell you, remember, you're awesome. You are amazing. Go create a fabulous day for yourself. Happy Veterans Day. And, Vanessa, I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now. Thank you. Have a great day.